0: Oh wait, go ahead. No, that's me. That's that's my computer.
1: Okay, okay. Verse 21. Okay. And Yahweh Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, Adam or Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which Yahweh Elohim had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out the man of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed,
0: hallelujah. Hallelujah, Toda, In verse 22, one of my favorite revelations about this verse is the fact that the scripture does not tell us how long Adam was asleep and how long Hawa was with Abba alone. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Um, so I, I like to highlight that revelation because that daughter and father relationship is that woman's first relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is what we can glean simply from her being with Abba for an uh, undisclosed amount of time before she was being given to Adam. Shalom, sis. Welcome. So what we can glean from these couple of verses is in verse 24, it says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So we can glean from that, that before marriage, the unmarried individuals, they lived at home. They stayed at home. And I want to highlight that because in this world, there is a a way where young people feel like I'm at the age, I wanna move out, I wanna have my own place and then they get their own place and then they wanna be married. Well, that is contrary to the way ABBA has given the family unit to be set up, which is the children, whether you're male or female, stayed at home until they were given to be someone's spouse. Mm-hmm. And then the loyalty of the towards the family is not transferred to the spouse. And this is the declaration Adam is now making. He is making um, that they are one. You know, he recognized that she came from him and he's also recognizing that her and I are one. So when we're thinking about marriage and when we're counseling young women about marriage, the thought must be that you are joining yourself to become part of this man. And the scripture says he he who is, you know, cleaves to a harlot, becomes a harlot. So we want to be mindful of who we choose to make ourselves one with. All right. So, so far what we glean is that an unmarried um, individual stayed home with their parents and that loyalty transferred from parents to spouse. All right. So our next scripture we're going to go to is Genesis 3, 16. Okay. And I, I got that, I'll read that. It says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow, you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. I wanted to include that scripture because we are, what we learn from that is when we come into the, when we, be, we become married, the order is already set. Abba is telling us the position of the wife. And this mm-hmm. happens, this happens because of the fall. It was after the fall we're at where, where Yah had to put in this order. But moving forward, the order is that the husband is the head of the wife. Yes. So if there's any contention as we're dealing with ourselves or with a young someone young in the faith or looking to be married, one of the things that they we have to accept as women is that our husbands are our heads, you know? If you have a problem with that, that's between you and Abba, that has nothing to do with, you know, <laughs> the ways of Israel, it's, it's, it's your personal issue. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to, we gleaned a couple of things from looking at the first institution, which is Adam and Kawa. Now we're going to look at the second time um, a marriage was looked at close, with some um, with some close details and that's gonna be with Isaac and Rebecca. So we're gonna take a look at um, Genesis 24 and we're gonna look at verses 34 through 38 and then we're gonna drop down and look at verses 47 to 53 and then drop down some more and look at 57 to 67. So, like we said at the beginning of the class, what we're doing is we're, we're examining marriages in scripture to glean what is the proper way to institute a marriage and um, also include at the end the discussion about divorce. Mm. So,
3: yeah. um, in Genesis
0: 24, 34 to 38, can someone get that and read for us? Hallelujah. Thank you, sis. Mm.
3: And he said, I am Abraham's servant and Yahweh has blessed my master exceedingly and he has become great and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old and he has given to him all that he has. And my master made me swear, saying, "Do not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son." Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. You want to keep reading, sis? Forty-seven to fifty-three. Sure. I'm well, scrolling down to
3: forty-seven. Here we go. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed my head and worshiped Yahweh and blessed Yahweh Elohim of my master Abraham, who had led me in the true way to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. And now, if you are going to show loving commitment and truth to my master, let me know. And if not, let me know so that I turn, so that I turn to the right or to the left. And Laban answered Bethuel too and said, "To the matter comes from Yahweh. We are not able to speak to you either evil or good. Uh, see, Riqva is before you." take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as yahweh has spoken and it came to be when abraham's servant heard their words that he bowed himself towards the earth before yahweh and the servant brought out ornaments of silver and ornaments of gold and garments and gave them to ripa and he also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother down to 57 yeah and they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. So they called Ripa and said to her, are you going with this man? And she said, I shall go. So they let go Rikwa, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rikwa and said to her, let our sister become the mother of thousands of tens of thousands and let your seed possess the gates of those who hate them. And Rikva and her young woman arose and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rikva and left. And Yisak came from the way of Be'er Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Yisak went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked and saw the camels coming. And Rikva lifted her eyes and when she saw Yisak, she dismounted from her camel. And she said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Yisak and all the matters he had done. And Yisak brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Ripa and she became his wife and he loved her. Thus Yisak was
0: comforted after his mother's death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, yeah. So let's look through a couple of things that we can glean from how this marriage was, came about. In verse 37, the first thing we see is that it was the father that sent for a wife for his son. Hmm. The same way Abba brought a wife to his son, because he brought Kawah to Adam, <laughs> the same way now that Yah is saying, I mean, Abraham is asking his servant, go and bring a wife for my son, because it was the wife that left her family and joined herself to the husband's family. So we see that the father is usually the one that would um, orchestrate the marriage. And we see that from verse um, 37. In verse 47, it says here that they put an earring on her face or nose ring and braces on her hand. That was just a custom. You know, because this was given to her before there's any conversation of marriage. So I know sometimes in our community, I've been to weddings, Israelite weddings where they replace exchanging rings with exchanging bracelets and giving the wife a gift as a nose ring because of what happens with R- R- Rifka in this story. Um and that's fine because there's no commandment saying you have to give a ring or give a bracelet. You do pay a dowry. Um, but the custom is this is coming even before there was any discussion of marriage, so I just wanted to highlight that. Um, so when he, when the servant Eleazar, now goes to speak to um, Rebecca's family, he asks permission. You know, you don't just go and take someone's daughter; you go and you ask permission. And not only do you ask the father of the daughter permission. You ask the daughter permission. This is not a thing of like in other cultures where women are forced to marry strangers, you know? And this is what we glean from this story because this is why Abba put it there. We're supposed to learn from that. You know, you go and you ask that young woman, do you want to marry this man? (laughs) Give her that choice. And she said yes. And it was after that she said yes that the gifts were exchanged Once the families agree on the marriage, they are considered betrothed or engaged. They're basically promised to one another to be married. Um, I'm going to read two scriptures in your hearing. In Deuteronomy 28.30, it says, uh, let me put that in the chat. Deuteronomy 28.30, it says, you shall betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. This is part of the curses of, of, from Deuteronomy 28, the curses of Israel returned away from the father. So a Mm -hmm. wife, she's already called the wife while she's still betrothed. Betrothal is a legal marriage in the eyes of the families. Remember this agreement is made first with the families and then it is done in a ceremony for the rest of the community to, to witness, but the community witnessing is not necessary as long as at least both families are agreeing to it. This is what we're seeing. It's not wrong to have ceremonies. It's not wrong to have you know a party afterwards because we see that we will see that happen in scripture as well. But how do we? How can we? How can we prove that a betrothal is equal to a marriage? And for that, we will take a look at um, Matthew one. 18 to 20. I have it right here, so I'll read it. It said, uh, and this is when yeah, um, Miriam was found to be pregnant before she was married to Joseph. And verse 18 says, Now the birth of Yahushua the Messiah was on this wise. When as his mother Mary, or Miriam was exposed to Joseph, she was betrothed to him, before they came together, she was found with child of the Ruach HaKodesh. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. So here she's already being called his husband and here he's also getting ready to offer her a a decree of of divorce. Mm -hmm. And they had at this point they had not consummated the marriage. They had not had any kind of ceremony. They were just betrothed. But the point is once that contract is made between the families, it's just a matter of time before the planning happens for the ceremony and so on and so forth. But in the eyes of the family, she's gonna marry him and he's gonna marry her. Any, any questions or thoughts, anything anyone wants to share? Okay. All right. Five. Okay. All right. So we see from Isaac and Rebecca that what happened was agreements were made, the father sent out, got the spouse, the girl agreed, they were considered patrolled. She came and then she and the husband consummated. That was the last thing that happened. Sex, before all of those things, does not establish marriage. That's something else that we're seeing in the Israelite community is um, what I've heard called back, um, backroom marriages, where yeah. um, brothers are convincing women, or women as well, they believe that as long as they come together and have sex, that they are now married but that's not the pattern that we're seeing in scripture. The coming together, the consummation of the relationship is the last thing that you do because that's basically how you sign the contract. You know, because usually after what would happen is you would look to look for her signs of virginity, which meant that she had not been with anybody else. And all of this is how the proposal, everything, that's how it ended with them coming back together and being one flesh. This is how. This is the only way a husband and a wife become one flesh. When they consummate, they literally are that. And so that's how we end the, a marriage. That's how we start a marriage. We don't see anywhere in Scripture where marriage begins by having sex. Okay, so we're gonna um, we're gonna go to. We're still gonna be in Genesis. Oh, I'm so hot. Genesis twenty nine. 18 to 23. Can someone get that for me? Is it
1: 29,
3: 18 to 23? Yes, sis. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jacob loved... Rahel. So he said, let me serve you seven years for Rahel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rahel and then seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are completed and let me go into her. And Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to be in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Yaakov, and he went in
0: to her. Okay, so here we see another institution of marriage happening. Can you turn it back on, then, Please. Uh uh-uh, That's better, actually. Thank you. Um, so, Jacob doesn't have a dowry, a bride price. So he says he will work in exchange for um, Rachel. In verse 21, again, she calls him his wife, even though they are still at the patrol stage. And in verse 22, we see um, a feast, a feast happening, a celebration is happening. The last thing we see, because we know the story, he which taught Rachel for Leah, but after he asks for her hand, after the father agrees, after he works for her for seven years, after the feast, then the last thing again on the list is consummation. This is how weddings were done. This is the order of what needs to happen. Again, highlighting at the, the last thing is sex. So I wanna read this from, um, I forgot where I got this from. It's from a book. Um, I didn't write the name down, but the the part I wanted to read was Customs on Betrothal and Marriage in the Old Testament. It says, the public acknowledgement of the marital relationship was an important feature of the many ceremonies surrounded the occasion of marriage, the wearing of distinctive clothes, and being accompanied by one or more companions and friends added dignity to the occasion. The bridegroom and his friends went in procession to the bride's house and escorted her back to his own or his mother's house. The procession was usually accompanied by music, singing and dancing. At the marriage feast which followed, relatives of friends attended wearing festive clothes. It was an insult to refuse an invitation A friend of the bridegroom supervised the feast, which could continue for several days. Parents and friends blessed the couple and wished them well. A covenant of faithfulness bound the pair as they prepared to consummate their marriage in a specially prepared bride chamber. So this is how, these were the customs of what marriage, how marriage was done in the Old Testament. Again, I just wanna keep highlighting sex came last. It came last. That wasn't what sealed it. That sealed the deal at the end. That was basically the, the signing of the contract. Because in Israel, most of the time, covenants happen. There was um, shedding of blood. Animals were slaughtered. But in this case, usually when a woman breaks her virginity, there is an issue of blood. So that was how the covenant was um, like stamped, for lack of a better term.
1: hmm
0: any any questions? Well,
1: mm-hmm. I know in the scripture, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but divorce
0: is not of Yahweh. Right, we're gonna take a look at that. I'm sorry. No, okay. you're fine, sis. We're gonna take a look at that.
1: Okay.
2: Um, can I'm, see- I'm sorry. Shalom, I was just going to um, say that, uh, first of all, a lot of people, a lot of Israel now are trying to push that whole sex equals marriage agenda. And a lot of women, not even respected to age, even older women are getting trapped into these backdoor arrangements and it really is destroying a lot of uh families because you have children born to these these uh relationships and a lot of times if a man isn't willing to put you down on paper Hmm. he's not really planning on staying around that long amen amen and so i mean we get papers on our vehicles on our houses Amen. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, and about you know I'm about to shout. And and whenever it comes to down to marriage, oh no 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 no, we don't want the government in our marriage, or we don't want to have to go through the process of making a public uh, declaration of our relationship. So that means we don't want accountability. That's right.
0: Because That's what right.
2: happens with sex is behind closed doors. There's That's no right. accountability there. That's right. So um it's very uh disappointing. It is. Um, yep. But you know the other thing is uh the um uh, the uh husband so the husband is supposed to give you a gift and then if you're coming from a household the your father gives you a gift. And so it would be um there's I guess there's two Hebrew words for that but the I one we might call the bride price, which is what the father gives, which might be your handmaidens, like how uh, Laban gave the handmaidens okay. to his okay. Yes. Daughter, daughters. Okay. Um, so you would get uh, any type of property that you might get as your inheritance. You got it when you got married. Amen. He was no longer part of that household anymore.
0: Absolutely. And then that
2: would be your property so you know that would be like your inheritance that would go to you know your particular children after you. Amen. But your husband would also give you gifts and give give your father gifts as well.
0: Amen. Amen. Those were the good old days. <laughs>
2: the showering over of gifts. Yeah.
0: Showering of gifts because you know it was a joyous, joyous time and a husband and wife coming together for the first time as being a married couple is a birth. You know, it is something that is a whole new generation, a whole new legacy is getting ready to start. And it's, it's joyous, especially within the body of Mashiach. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention is the giving of the ketubah. Um, I, mean, yeah. I don't know, I might be jumping ahead. But one of the things that, like Sister um, Tiersa was saying, about put it on paper, is that marital contract. You know, that that contract basically says, I am taking you as my wife, you are my husband. And I went to one wedding. um, It was in Missouri where the father put in the ketubah that um, he was marrying off his daughter. He put in the ketubah that the husband couldn't take any other wives. Mm. Like he was like, it was detailed because that's something else that runs rampant in Israel. Mm -hmm. The thought of having multiple wives, but he was like, Nope, and he put it in the contract. You're not taking another wife with my daughter, she will be your only wife. Um, so yeah. let's take a look. Someone get Ephesians 5 22 and 24. And then we're going to do um, in the same chapter 28 to 33. I have it. Thank you, sis. Um,
3: Wives, subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the master, because the husband is head of the wife, as also the Messiah is head of the assembly. And he is savior of the body, but as the assembly is subject to Messiah, so also let wives be to their own husbands in every respect. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
1: Verses twenty-eight to
3: thirty-three. Okay. Twenty-eight. In this way, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but feeds and cherishes it, as also the master does the assembly, because we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This secret is great, but I speak concerning Messiah and the assembly. However, you too, everyone, let each one love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she fears
0: her husband. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with these verses, I wanted to include because again, when we're talking um, to women who are new to this walk, new to this faith, or even been in for a while, and they still have some hesitations or unclear about our posture as being a wife, we're just reiterating by scripture, not by our own opinion, that we are to submit ourselves to our husbands. There, again, if you have, if you have a problem, and some women do have a problem with that because we have we live in a very feminist time in society, and women have been um, made to feel independent and they don't need a man in their life. And now they come into this way of life and they have to basically unlearn. What they saw growing up, a lot of us came from single parent home where the mother was the only authority. Um, We were all raised to be that strong black woman, and now you come into this way of life, and Yas telling us, you know, you have to ask your husband. You know, you gotta, you know, do things that he wanted, how he wants it done. And I remember one sister that I knew; she basically began to tear up her place, like she had a tantrum, basically, because she was basically like, "How dare you!" talking about the father, how dare you tell me what to do, you know? But this was a real struggle for her because she was new to the faith. But this is our real, this is our reality. And it's it's not about who's in charge. At the end of the day, like Paul said in verse 31, 32, this is a great mystery. See, we just beholding the physical, the man and the woman, but he said, he's speaking concerning Mashiach and the assembly, we are that bride. Mashiach is our husband. So we have to honor that institution and play our position because we don't want to in any way shame being a bride of Messiah. And this, you know, it's not just about women because the verses we read, it tells men, you know, to love your wife as Mashiach loved the assembly. So it's not just you know, it's never a woman is in a position of being um a drop cloth or, you know, the husband can abuse her and walk over her. No, it's not about that. Being submissi- submissive does not mean that you are, you know, you're a second-class citizen. We are equal heirs in Mashiach, but they have to be in order because everybody only has one head. You know, if we had two heads, we'd be a freak of nature. Uh, Every uh, body has <laughs> one head. Oh, my! Every... Every institution, any organization has one leader. There aren't co-leaders. So it just so happened that that's the husband. Again, if we have a problem with that, I pray that Abba, you know, a lot of our sisters have a problem with that. So it's either they allow the father to humble their hearts or they just stay unmarried because no man needs that grief of fighting for his position.
2: <laughs>
4: Hallelujah.
0: Praise you So we're going to take a look at divorce. So from the the couples that we looked at so far in the Bible, again, it was just for us to glean what were the practices in ancient Israel of how marriages happened. And the biggest highlight is that it did not begin with sex. You know, it began with the authorities, the heads of the the young man and the young woman having a conversation, making an agreement. The girl was asked. um, Gifts were exchanged, and this is how it all developed. Feasting happened, partying happened, celebrations happened. um, And then after all of that was the consummation happened. So now we're going to take a look at divorce. Uh, We're going to take a look at Deuteronomy 24. And we're going to read verses one through four. Someone have that, they can read it.
1: Moving slow. You moving slow? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm quick.
3: it if you want all right go ahead head on this okay um when a man takes a wife and shall marry her then it shall be if she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found a matter of uncoveredness in her and he shall write her a certificate of divorce and put it in her hand and send her out of the house out of his house And if she left his house and went and became another man's wife, and the latter husband shall hate her and write her a certificate of divorce and put it in her hand and send her out of his house. Or when the latter husband dies, who took her to be his wife, then her former husband, who sent her away, is not allowed to take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that would be an abomination before Yahweh and do not bring sin on the land, which Yahweh your Elohim is giving you as an inheritance.
0: Wow. Hallelujah. So this is considered the laws of divorce. And what I find interesting is for a divorce to happen, that husband has to give that woman a written document. So the implication is for the marriage to happen, she also received a written document. Mm-hmm. And Yahushua deals with this situation, and we're going to read that next in Matthew 19 verses 1 through 10, uh, I'll read that, uh, Matthew's 19, 1 to 10,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it says, and it came to pass that when Yahushua had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. The great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now, this is a big, big argument in um, Jewish writings as far as um, what's because it says for any uncleanliness. It didn't give anything specific in Deuteronomy. So now the conversation between the sages was, well, can you divorce her for this? Or can you divorce her for that? And I believe one rabbi said that you could divorce her if she burns your food. So this was definitely an, a discussion between these, these sages of old of what would, can you divorce her for any cause? So this is what they're tempting Yahushua with. And this is Yahushua's answer. He says in verse four, and he answers and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and mm-hmm. said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore Elohim has joined together, let no man put asunder. Basically mm-hmm. let no man now give this um, get, that's what that's what the document is called, it's called a get. Let no man do, do break apart what Yah brought together. Amen. So in verse seven, all right, so the Pharisees, they're challenging Yahushua. He they says, well then, why did Moshe then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? So now they're trying to call Torah as a witness against Mashiach, because Torah says, if you wanted to divorce your wife, this is how you do it. So now they're saying, well, if you're now saying that we shouldn't, why did Moshe say that we could? Yahushua said, Moshe because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. So what we see here is one of those things um, that is called permissive will. Yah has his divine will, the things that he said, this is it, this is what it is, live with it. And then he has what is sometimes called his permissive will, the things that he would allow. And divorce is when, given through Moshe, was a permissive will because of the hardness of Israel's heart. It was never Yah's intention that when a man took a wife, that at some point they will be divorced.
2: Um,
0: Verse 9, and Yahushua continues to expound on this. He says in verse 9, I say to you, so now he's giving a decree. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, mm-hmm. and marry another commits adultery and who marries her, which is put away, does commit adultery. So back in Deuteronomy, where it says for any uncleansiness and they now was trying to define well, what do you mean by uncleansiness? Yahushua here is making it clear that uncleansiness is adultery, fornication. That's the only reason why a husband can put away his wife. If he puts her away for anything else, they both have committed adultery because in, in the eyes of Yah, they are still married. They can act like they're divorced and live two separate lives, but in Yah's eyes, they are still married. So when they go and get remarried and start having relations with their new husband or wives, in Abba's eyes, they're committing adultery. That's what Mashiach said. And so in verse 10, this, he says here, and his disciple says, mm-hmm. if that's the case of the man be so with his wife. It is not good to marry. So now these cats are literally saying, yo, that's hard. That's hard. That's a high standard to live up to. This is hard stuff. But at the end of the day, Mashiach is saying, we said in, in, in verse eight, it was never from the beginning that divorce was, was to happen. It was always that oneness. Because Mashiach understood that that image, that oneness, reflected something greater than just that man and that woman. Um, in Mark 10, 12, it says, we're still talking about divorce. In Mark 10, 12, it says, and if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. So now here we have the situation where the wife divorces the husband. Hmm. Okay, all right, Shorty, if you do that, just know that you cannot be remarried without being considered an adulterer. That's what the scripture says. Now, does that mean if a woman is being beaten and abused by a man that She has to stay with him and stay with the abuse. Absolutely not. The scriptures does give us room for couples to separate for a time with the hope of reconciliation. One of the things you can do is um, seek the counsel and the help of an elder or a rabbi or a teacher to intervene and try to work it out. But I don't think Abba would want us to put ourselves and our children in a situation where our lives are are at risk, like seriously. You know, we have to protect ourselves. And if that means, unfortunately, that you might have to just stay single. You know, Abba gives us grace. You know, he gives us what we need and he will heal our heart. Um, but, the, but the scripture, I don't think I have this scripture, but it does says if the husband dies. Okay, I, I will get to that. Okay, I'm skipping ahead. All right, so let's take a look at, and I think this is the lax the um what Paul says about divorce, and for this, we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 16, and then we're going to drop all the way down to verse 39. So if someone has that, they could read it. Joyce, you're on mute. You're on mute, sis. Okay. Oh, here I go again.
1: Okay. Corinthians okay. chapter 7, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay. 1 through 16. Yes, ma'am. Now concerning things whereof he wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife do Benevolence. You got that. Benevolence. (laughs) (laughs) Benevolence. (laughs) And likewise, also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband and likewise, also the husband hath not power of her of his own body. But The wife, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for Your incontinence, whatever, Uh, not whatever, I'm sorry, incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man. Hath his proper gift of Elohim, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I, but if they cannot contain let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married, I command ye not I, but the master. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away her wife or his wife. But to the rest speak I not the master. If any brother hath a wife, that believe it not and she be pleased to dwell with him let him not put her away and the woman which hath an husband that believe it not and if he be pleased to dwell with her let her not leave him for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Elsewhere or else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Okay, that's 16. But if... The unbelieving depart, let (laughs) him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but Elohim hath called us to peace, for what knowest thou, O wife, whether... Thou shall save thy husband. That's a question. Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shall save thy wife? Verse 39. Okay, let's go to three. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the master. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so
0: let's take a look at a couple of these verses. Um, so Paul is talking about, remember this is being written to the assembly at Corinth. So these were um, mm-hmm. new, to the body, new to the faith, new to Torah, new to the lifestyle. So he's kind of letting them know what are the responsibilities and limitations of, of husbands and wives in their marriage. He talks about not defrauding one another, basically not holding out physical intimacy from one another, unless you're doing it for a reason of fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. And when he says, you know, he wished that all men be like himself is because Paul did not have that desire to be married. You know, he's like, he spoke of the, about that in a couple of his letters, you know, because to him, he felt like, if I have, if, if I have cares of a wife and taking care of wife and blah, 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 I can't do the work of this ministry the way I want to. So he said, I'd rather everyone be like me where all of us are just focused on spreading the gospel, focus on building the assemblies throughout the world, and, um, but that's not the case. Some people want to be married and, and that's fine. He's saying there's nothing wrong with being married. Um, and so a lot, of these, a lot of the assemblies when they started, husbands and wives weren't always coming to the faith together. You would have cases where the husband will come to the faith but the wife didn't want it or vice versa. Paul is saying, this is not a reason to divorce. You don't put away. If you, if you were already married and you came into the faith and you became a believer, but the other one didn't, that's not a reason to put them away. Oh. If they want to stay, make them, you, should, you can allow them to stay. But then he mm-hmm. says, but if the unbelieving one, whether it's the husband or the wife, if they leave then he says here that that brother or sister is not under bondage anymore. Basically that person set you free because they left the marriage. It wasn't Mm -hmm. you as a believer, it was the unbeliever that left. Um, So verse 39, um, I should have given some more verses because this was talking about um, basically who we can marry. He talked about virgins being married and Um, so when it came to a woman, a woman can be remarried only after her husband dies. Yeah. As long as he's alive, she's bound to him. But once once he's dead, that covenant or that contract is no longer in effect. She is free to remarry.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Any questions or thoughts on that?
1: Um. Um... There are so many divorces in this lifetime. And I don't understand, well, like we have read, you know, they're divorcing for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. And number two, well, that should have been number two, but number one, I told my husband, when I was in the military where well, we met, I said, first of all, there would be no sex. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh no, I don't want to have sex with you. I was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there because I knew the scripture. I knew the word right. of Yah. But so many divorces
0: is a shame.
1: It is. That's Hallelujah!
0: That's sis. thank you, sis. That's that's the enemy because the enemy knows that marriage, ma- what marriage represents. Yeah, we yeah. That's gonna be our closing scripture. But anything that the enemy can do to defile or to degrade the image of Yah, he does it. That's the lifestyle he promotes. That's one of the biggest reasons why Abba considers homosexuality an abomination is because the image of Yah is a husband and a wife, male and female. Yes. Two men and two women is not the image of Yah. Mm. So the enemy has devised a way for humans to defile the image of our Heavenly Father. Oh yeah. This is what he's done. This is all he can do. So. We have people divorcing. I was reading an article yesterday uh, <laughs> where the, the, the husband divorced the wife because he said they were married for, I forget how long, they were married for a good amount of years. And one day she asked him how he liked his coffee. And he's, he was like, we've been married this long, and you don't know how I like my coffee? And that was why he divorced her. Wow. Cause he figured you never, you don't love me. You don't pay attention. You're not, you know, blah, 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 blah. But this is how frivolous marriage is. Like if you go to, if you go to where you call that place in, in out in the West where you have drive-through weddings and you could go to a wedding dressed up in costume. Las in Vegas. Las Vegas. 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 Las Vegas. You know, that's a, yeah. It's a mockery of marriage. My, uh, my, my, oh yeah. Uh. All right, so the the last component of marriage that we're gonna look at, we looked at marriage, we looked at divorce, now we're gonna look at adultery, which is real straightforward, is three brief verses, and I'm gonna read that in your hearing. The first verse is Exodus mm-hmm. chapter 20 and verse 14, and I'm putting this all in the chat, and um, then I'm gonna to go to Leviticus 20 and verse 10. And then you're going to go to Galatians 5 and verse 19. All right, Exodus 20 and 14 is one of the Ten Commandments. It says, you should not commit adultery. Pretty straightforward.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Verse 20, Leviticus 20 and verse 10 says, the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So we know mm-hmm. that that penal law does not it's not in effect today that we don't kill people for committing adultery but they will be judged by by the father. They yeah. will be dealt with because adultery again it defiles the image of Yah. Yeah. Amen. You can't be one with another man's wife or <clears a little throat> or you know scripture says you know you change her to a whore you become a whore. <laughs> And in Galatians 5.19, which is the the beginning of the works of the flesh, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. That's the works of the flesh. Further down in the chapter, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So these things are in contrast. So if we are housing the Ruach, the Holy Spirit of Yah, we're not supposed to be working in the flesh. We are supposed to be producing fruit by way of the Holy Spirit. So something like adultery and fornication. And now mind you, these are not things that a person can't repent from because scriptures teach that if we confess, confess our sins, that mm-hmm. he is faithful to forgive us. Yes. But you're gonna deal with some downfall, some outflow. You're gonna deal with some consequences. You're not gonna walk away unscathed Because you've marred your marriage. You've broken your relationship with your spouse. So there will be consequences, but it won't be the consequence of death, hopefully, but YAH will forgive you. And that we turn around and we repent if that's something that um, fell across us as far as as the weakness.
1: Hallelujah.
0: We must protect marriage. We must protect how it starts. We must protect how it ends. We must protect the life of it. We must protect it. Um, Malachi 2, 15 and 16, Malachi 2, 15 to 16, and this is basically what Mashiach was saying when he was given his um, decree on marriage, it says, did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel, says that he hates putting away. In other words, he hates divorce. For one covers violence with his garment, says Yahweh of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you deal not treacherously. So we come again, across the begin to ruminate or thinking about divorce. And even if you have legitimate causes for divorce, not much for women, you know, unless it's a thing of violence and then you have to consult elders and you know your rabbi and so on and so forth. But as far as men, you know, even if you have even if you have the right to divorce her. Mashiach said it, unless it's fornication, you don't divorce her. But even think about that this is something Abba hates. Now, even though you had the right to do it, Abba hates it. Mm -hmm. Can you love and forgive your wife for the sin that she's committed? You know, Paul at one place talked about, you know, why why not we rather suffer the wrong rather than take each other to court? Yeah, I can take you to court because you were wrong, but why not for the sake of the unity of the brotherhood or the unity of the body of Mashiach? Why not you just rather lose? what I did against you so we can still stay as one. Same thing with marriage. Okay, your wife was unfaithful. Can you love her through that, forgive her through that and still stay with her? There's not a com- there's no commandment to put her away because she committed adultery. Messiah said, that's the only reason to put her away but he never said you have to put her away because there's room for forgiveness. There's room for reconciliation. Yes. Even if you only think about even if I did do this thing, it wouldn't be pleasing to the father. Abba hates it. And that many things in scripture it says that Abba hates and he hates to put it away of, of wives. And our last scripture is going to be um, Revelations 19 and we're gonna do verses five through nine. And this is, one of, this is why we protect marriage. This is the mystery. This is what um, it's all about. This is what Yah was declaring from the beginning. Revelations 19.5 says, And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our Elohim, all you servants, all you his servants, and you that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the sound of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah for Elohim omnipotent reigns. Verse seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has been made ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of Elohim. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: So that's why we honor our marriages. This is why we we do things in the right way. This is why we submit Mm -hmm. ourselves. We keep that divine order because it's all about Mashiach coming back for his bride. And that's those who have been redeemed by his precious blood. And we made white because our sins are clean. And this is why we don't commit adultery because we are being espoused to one king, one power. Yes. We don't, you know, we don't divorce our wives because Mashiach wouldn't wouldn't divorce us. In the word actually, it says that how Yah did, he even went contrary to his word because often as Israel played the harlot, how many times did Abba bring back Israel? He said in his word, I believe it it was either Isaiah or Jeremiah where he said, I did what I told you basically not to do. I keep bring I keep taking you back, which is against Torah. The scripture we read that in, in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. If that wife leaves and marries somebody else, she can't come back. And mm-hmm. this is part of the reason how when um Abba told Hoshia to marry a prostitute, and you would figure, why would Yah tell one of his prophets to marry a prostitute? But he mm-hmm. was using the life of Hoshia to display the what Israel was doing and how he was dealing with Israel. Because even when this wife was with her lovers, her husband was still taking food and clothes and her needs, you know, secretly to her lovers to care for her. And that's what Abba does for us. He still cares for us when we are in our rebellion. He still cares for us and and takes care of us when we turn away from him. He's constant. But what he wants us to learn is how he wants us to be. And that's that pure bride, that pure, clean woman. That brings honor to the image and likeness of our Heavenly Father. So, nah, nah, nah. With that, I am, I am done. That's the conclusion of tonight's lesson and this series of um, classes. Any um, thoughts or questions about what we discussed um, this evening? Well, I
4: do have. Oh, just a little bit go. No, no,
0: you go first, baby. It's
4: okay. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> For, okay, in um Matthew 19, when Mashiach was saying uh what is allowed or what is permitted for um divorce, um he said except except it be for fornication. Um then um you know that that basically that's that's the only reason for um divorce. So fornication is that defined as adultery or is that defined as the woman was in fornication before she got married? Cause, um, I think I, as, as my eyes were kind of open to this understanding, um, from, uh, a, one of the, another study that I watched, mm-hmm. but I looked into it, um, because if it was, because if it was a matter of adultery, by law that the the penalty for that is death, right? For adultery, it's already death. So there wouldn't really need to be a there really there wouldn't be a need for divorce because the adulterer or adulteress would die. But if it's concerning fornication, then fornication is not adultery. Fornication is, you know, having sex. Um, while not being married, mm-hmm. um, so I started started to wonder. So, okay, well, if that's the case, if he's saying that if the woman basically wasn't a virgin, if that mad that matter of uncleanness um, was found that she, you know, was was in sexual immorality or was in fornication before she got married.
0: Okay, I understand the question. Um, Okay, so that's verse nine. And I said unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife. So right there, it says wife. So that's her status, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. can be for fornication. And when we look at the, the Greek word for fornication, it is playing the harlot. It also includes adultery and incest figuratively okay. it means idolatry. So when we, we because we tend to I know we always tend to define fornication as something you do outside of marriage and adultery is something you do inside of marriage. Right, right, right. So what was her actual fornication? We we really can't extrapolate that because it doesn't give definite it doesn't give clear what it is because that word means more could be used to mean more than one thing. Okay. Uh, um, let me take a look. Just give me one second. Is it pornea? Is yeah. that the, that's yeah. the Greek word, right? That's in the Greek, but I want to see what it is in the Hebrew because okay. remember, it was it was Hebrew. Right. All right. So in Hebrew, the word for fornication is zana, zana, and it means to commit adultery. <laughs> ah,
4: okay. Okay commit adultery?
0: Yeah, so that's why I when I'm when I study and I'm looking up words, I always try to go back to the Hebrew, even if it's in the New Testament, because right. the New Testament was was you know it was it came like, from the Hebrew exactly
4: right read and, and then translate it again
0: exactly right, so right the right. word pornea, you know that's what we get our thing pornography from and we know pornography right, right 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 one type of pornography pornography could be I mean they have so many different types you know what I'm saying it's, right. Audio and, and you got pictures and you got stories and you got blah 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 blah. So there's different ways even to pour okay. Um, but when we like I said, we take it back to the Hebrew, the number is 2181, fornication, and the first time that word was used in okay. scripture is um in, <clears throat> in Genesis, is the first time it was used. And this can also be translated to mean harlot.
4: Mm-hmm. OK.
0: So like, when we, we think about the, the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That commandment, so all the Ten Commandments, every script, every Torah commandment, lines up under one of those Ten Commandments. It's almost like how in the united states we have the bill of rights we have the, the 10 whatever it's called and then they have the rest of the constitution every one of them lines up with one of those amendments same thing mm-hmm. with the torah law every one of them mm. lines up with one of those commandments so to keep it simple all sexual sin falls under do that mm. adultery
4: mm. okay
0: you know? okay so again when we and this is just a, you know something that helps me when I'm studying, I try to simplify it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. If I had to, you know, and to take it back to the commandment of adultery, you know, he didn't, because then you wouldn't, we wouldn't say, well, fornication is not adultery, so it doesn't count. Of course not, you know? He was talking about any sexual sin, whether you're married or not married. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you.
0: Um, hallelujah.
4: Hallelujah.
0: Any anything else? Uh, Sister
3: Sheba. Shalom. So um it's interesting. My 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 statementslash question that I feel I kind of have answer and understanding to anyway, but just wanted clarity on. Um is a bit uh, around the same scripture. Um I have two premises here. Uh one, how the scripture says. And I say to you, whoever puts away his wife, except on the ground of whoring and marries another commits adultery. Now, this reads as if the woman did an offense. Mm -hmm. And because of the offense, the man has permission to let her go. And um, if he if, if it was other than that offense, then he would be, you know, doing wrong and committing adultery. Mm -hmm. But what occurs to me is what about when it's the other way around? When the woman did no offense, but the man did the offense and decided to give the get and make a bill of divorcement and so forth. What does that do for the woman? Where does that leave her at when she did no offense, he did the offense and decided to abandon it? Now, you know,
0: so that's one thing um, that well, before, you get next, before you get to the next thing. Well, you know, just he's an mm-hmm. error. Say that end, again. He's in error for doing that, right? And he's causing her to become an adulteress unless if she remarries. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a term in the in the Hebrew Jewish community is called being an aguna. I think I pronounced it. Uh, right. uh, uh, what? Aguna. Agona, yeah, okay. It's basically being a chained woman. Mm. Basically, your husband left you without, and and you can't remarry. He didn't give you a get. That's what I mean by being a chained woman. So this is the same thing. Your husband done put you away for no good reason. He's the one that's in error. But now you as the woman, you have to stay unmarried. Hmm. Because now you will be committing adultery. You know, you'd be adding sin to sin if you went, well, he left me, so I'm free to go. But the only thing will be, like, when we read about in Paul, if the unbelieving spouse leaves, like, if he became an unbeliever and was walking away from the marriage and and this way of life, then she'd be free. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, a brother or sister does not have to be, they should, they could be at peace because that unbelieving spouse left.
3: And that was the other part that came at me, like, so... In all honesty, um, even, you know, if a person is a believer, but in all honesty, until you came into the truth and actually practicing Torah, observing, actually keeping the laws, commandments and statutes and understanding its applicability, you know, and in embracing it then it really didn't apply to you. Like those that were out of it were out of it until you came into the truth, the walking away.
0: I don't understand the question.
3: Well, I'm saying it, uh, is that a correct line of understanding in respect to that, you know, that the person or persons who may have experienced those kind of scenarios mm-hmm. prior to coming into the truth mm-hmm. is kind of null and void because they weren't in the truth
0: when right, those things right. transpired. Right, right, right. Yes, because the things that you did before coming to Mashiach, all those are forgiven. Right. You know, once you come into, the, into this way of life, that's when you are trying to walk into the law, statutes and judgments. Um, I know we, one of the things that we did when we, because when I first came into the faith, um, my husband was already divorced. And I was a believer, but he wasn't a believer, but we were still having a ceremony, um, a a Jewish ceremony. And one of the things that Rabbi did was just confirm that he was legally divorced to Mm. make sure that he wasn't going to marry me without him not being legally divorced according to the world. Because all these things happened before we came into this faith. And so it's like moving forward, Mm -hmm. you don't. do those things, but what you did before the time of, like the, the scripture said, the time of ignorance, he winks at. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how I would respond to that. sis. gotcha.
4: Hallelujah! I'm I'm so grateful that you touched on that because uh, there was a point in time when I first was coming into understanding of Torah and reading the divorce laws and things like that, and I began to get very frightened because prior to coming into this knowledge in this way my husband he was he had been divorced and so I'm like are we in sin like what 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 but we, and we knew that the father had had led us this way and, and led us to marry and that was one of the first times that he actually heard the voice of of the holy spirit mm-hmm. so we were just I was like in a very a very state of like okay what am I doing where am I at like right. father where are you like I was very 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 confused and just um uh, oh my gosh I was that was I'm like okay what is this I, I feel like I'm in the in the twilight zone right now yes yes um yeah. it, it really it's it scared me it scared me it scared me I'm like
0: okay <laughs> it's good you want to make sure we walk in the ways because we don't want to get married or do anything that the father's not going to bless mm-hmm. Are you're going to do right. is grief for yourself you know but yeah you know, right. he's gracious you know,
1: yeah. he's gracious yeah. and she yes,
3: is. And I I'm really am oh, yeah. grateful
0: for the Ruach
3: because even before coming into you know the true and walking in the way, when mm-hmm. my ex-husband did his dirt and abandoned our marriage, and we were legally married, you know, with children and everything, he wanted me to divorce him. And I'm like, Uh, the Bible says, if he for the cause of fornication and adultery, let him give her written divorce. Right, wrong, you did, amen. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, at this point, I said, at one point, I was willing to work with you and forgive and you know, whatever and whatever, but you done got the itch, dug it, scratched it, the dug a hole, fell in it, covered yourself, all mucky, Mm -hmm. ain't trying to come out of it. If that's what you want, I'm not gonna fight you on it, but I'm not gonna initiate it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that was before coming into the truth. I was like, uh no, Good for you're you. not. You're not putting that on me." Good for you. <laughs> you know.
4: Good
0: for you. Hallelujah. Praise ya. Praise ya. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. He did all that. For yeah.
0: <laughs> Girl, <laughs> he did more <laughs> than that.
4: <laughs> he dug in and he
0: did. Ah, ooh, that's ooh, all right. <laughs> uh, any anything else, ladies?
1: <laughs> no when you said we are finished for tonight right, right. with the yeah.
0: study yeah we'll i'll um, probably come back in a couple of months okay and you'll uh, get in touch with me i sure will i sure will and um the the audio is um for the classes are uploaded on um anchor podcast mm-hmm. website it's not I don't really do a pod. it's not a podcast but it's a podcast website and all I do is just post the audio on there so um that's another reference if you guys wanted to go back and listen or you know whatever you mm-hmm. may be I'm always available for questions or comments if again um, um if, again if you have any questions or thoughts or you think I missed something or I didn't you know I'm open, I want to be right, I don't want to be wrong, I don't want to teach anything wrong um, because I don't want that responsibility. As a teacher, I never want the responsibility of teaching something that's not correct because <laughs> don't. that's not what I want. So right. I'm always open for correction and, and clarifications. Um, so if, if um, we don't have any other questions or comments, I'm going to ask Sister Elie Shea to close us out in prayer. Okay,
2: hallelujah.
3: Hallelujah. Abba Yahweh, our Elohim, the Elohim of Abraham, Yisra, and Jacob, of Israel. In the name of Yahashua HaMashiach, we come unto you, our Creator, the Most High. We thank you for these series of gleaning and just being able to feast in your word and come together as sisters for deeper understanding, new levels of understanding and community and and just strengthening each other. Thank you, Father, for continuously speaking to our Mara, your sister, our sister, your daughter, Maka. Thank you for blessing her, Father, for continuing to speak to her and through her and guiding her in what you would have us to know. Thank you that we continue to have ears to hear, to have a mind open, open to mind our understanding that we can receive that revelation in your word, that we can find where it is applicable for our lives, that we can help to carry that light forward to others. Thank you in this season of break, Father, that we not just grow weary, that we not cease, but that we continue to thirst and continue to quench that thirst with your living water, with your Torah, with your light, and continue to bring something to feast together in this wonderful meal with our sisters when we come together again. Thank you for keeping us all as we are apart and in our own way, and as we come back together. In the name of Yahushua Hamashiach, Torah Rabbah, for the institution of marriage, for I your covering upon all of us. Hallelujah. For your yes. guidance upon all of us. Yes. For your love for Yisrael.
2: Hallelujah.
3: For the willing hearts. Thank you, yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
0: Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Shalom, everybody. Shalom. And we will yeah. be in touch. Love you all. Have a good night. Shalom. Mm-hmm. Shalom, shalom. 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 <laughs> I didn't mean to put a bunch
1: of fours here. Bunch of <laughs> Oh, I just that one little thing. What? Somebody
3: laughing? And no, oh. I did. I wrote. I was sent a message to Sister Malka on notes. Oh, something that I wanted. And when I hit enter,
1: my finger hit four. <laughs> a bunch of Oh, okay. I said, "Oh, me." I hung up prematurely.
3: No, I no, hung no. up. No, okay. you're fine. You're fine. <laughs>
0: All right. Bless y'all. I love y'all. Love, love you, you too. too. Love Shalom. you too.
3: Shalom. Uh, Shalom.
0: Sister elisheba that number is okay. two one
3: eight one. Two one eight one. Okay, excellent. I'm gonna put that on my notes right now. Two one
4: eight
3: one. to <sighs> <Lodera. laughs> All right.